1: Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson.
0: I'm Morgan Lennon.
1: And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 5 episode titled, and I'm going to try to say this correctly, Deus Lex Machina. (laughs) Deus Lex Machina. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, Let me know if that's incorrect. Uh, But uh, it's it's a good play on... Deus Ex Machina, which is what it typically is. Uh, So putting the Lex in there is actually um, maybe the best part about this episode. Maybe is the title is uh, what I'm thinking, but we'll get into it uh, (laughs) here with our thoughts on this week's episode of Supergirl. And since we don't have any news, we're just going to get right into it. So here is the official description. Quote, Lex proceeds to lay an intricate... Ooh. I, I, was, I nailed deus lex machina, but I could not say intricate. And <laughs> intricate, ooh, I did it again. This is my Carmina Burana. An <laughs> intricate plan to bring Lena closer to him, defeat Leviathan's latest attack, and pit Supergirl and team against Leviathan. It is also revealed how Lex came into power after crisis, unquote. So this is the directorial debut of melissa benoist on supergirl Um, so this is the first episode of the show that she has directed so i guess we could start there morgan what did you think about her uh her step into the director uh chair or shoes maybe you step into some shoes she would sit in the director chair.
0: <laughs> she's sitting in that chair and she's stepping in those shoes. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that she did a really good job on this episode. I'm kind of like sad on her b- behalf that this was the episode she got to direct uh, because, in many ways, it was a glorified clip show with some like exposition layered on top. But when I did, but when we did get the like the parts that m- Melissa directed, I think she did a really good job. Like some of the stuff in the um, Fortress of Solitude, when her and Lena are in in there, like the way that the camera was playing with the lights. I really liked that. Like some of the angles and like some of the, like the the lens flares were not like, were really nice, but not too JJ Abrams. (laughs) Uh, I thought that she did a good job with like all of the, the directing that she got in this episode. Uh, I'm just, I feel a little sad for her that she got such a mess of an episode to direct but uh as a director i thought she did a great job i actually agree with that
1: 100 percent. the writing of this episode was a complete mess but she did her darndest to make it look really good and uh so i think melissa did actually a really great job she actually i think uh directed my favorite supergirl shot from this season and maybe one of my all-time favorite Supergirl shots. And maybe that uh, makes sense to have, you know, Supergirl make that imagery come to life. But there's a shot where Supergirl, uh, she's she's defeated the the sun eater, the baby sun eater, eater who's, who's all grown up now, apparently. I guess the, the, the baby sun eater. <laughs> they grow up so fast. <laughs> they grow up so fast. Is uh, hurtling, I guess, into the sun to eat it. And uh, Supergirl saves the day. And we'll talk about Supergirl in the Lexo suit because, um, problems. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But there is this really beautiful shot of Supergirl hovering in space in front of the sun. And she's got, like, one leg up as, you know, she's hovering. And it's just, it's beautiful. And it's such a Supergirl shot. And so... Uh, I would like to thank Melissa Benoist for caring about the character so much that uh, that uh, she she made that happen. And there's also a really cute little shot that's right after that. I think where um, Supergirl's like cradling the Sun Eater, and I thought that was really cute. That like she she rescued the baby <laughs> Sun Eater. It was trying. It was just trying to eat. That's all it was trying to do. I didn't know it was doing anything wrong. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And there were also some some, um, some smaller shots that I thought she did a great job with. Um, there is a, a shot with Lex and Lillian towards the beginning of the episode. I think it's their first scene together. And there's like this rack-in shot, which means it, it starts off uh, out of focus and then it racks into focus. And uh, it, so it racks in from the coffee being poured by Lillian to Lex's reflection in the desk. And I thought that was really cool because... Uh, I sort of see reflections and mirrors at this point in the supergirl t v series as sort of a reflection of the fact that these characters aren't really who they once were like after post crisis uh after post crisis post crisis <laughs> after crisis uh some of these characters have changed like Lillian um and uh Lex is still sort of the same lex that we knew, but some of these characters have changed and uh, so usually mirrors and reflections um are trying to tell you something about the the inner workings of that character um so to to get to see that with uh a scene with this new Lillian that we get to meet this Earth Prime Lillian um i think we've i think we've already met her but we really got to see a lot of her in her scenery chewing ways uh, cuz Brenda Strong always kills it no matter how many problems i have with this episode Brenda Strong was not one of them <laughs> Um, but I uh, really enjoyed that shot with uh, the coffee into the reflection. I also really enjoyed that scene between Lex and Eve when they have their little meet cute in the uh, nightclub restroom, I guess it was, at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah.
0: Like, I, I like that she's like kind of taking this guy down in the restroom because it- for a second I was like, am I watching this? buffy like what's <laughs> what's happening here and i was into it if they want to do a spin-off where eve is just like a like a like a a, a scientist by day spy by night i would watch it <laughs> i would watch that
1: too um but i i really enjoyed the the blocking of that scene uh, melissa I, and i don't know how much of this is written in the script or if this was a choice by melissa herself but uh she did a lot of Uh, Like people who were distant emotionally start off the scene distant to where they're on opposite sides of the room. And eventually, as they sort of get to uh, a more tense part of their relationship, they come together and sort of face off. And so like Lex and Eve in that scene start off at the opposite ends of the room. And by the end of it, Lex is right up against Eve with Eve, Eve's gun at his chest. Uh, She also did that with Lena and Kara in the Fortress of Solitude where they started off dif- uh, pretty distant and then they sort of faced off. So I really liked the the blocking of that. It really um, helps with the tension. So, um, And there were also some uh, artistic choices. And uh, again, I don't know how much of this is like M- Melissa's directorial choices or if this was people like in the art department or something like that. Um, but there were some really ga- great choices with like Light, you know, lighting choices, uh, like that scene with Lex and Eve at the beginning in the in the uh, restroom scene. I really, I loved that. That scene was one of the best of the episode for me personally. Um, because there were a lot of uh, purple lights that were kind of going on in the background. Um, Eve had a, a purple and green dress on, which is very much like the Lexo suit. So there was a lot of uh, Luthorian stuff in it. Even the floor looked like a chessboard. So um uh so I really liked all those kinds of um uh, uh that attention to detail. At least for me it felt like there was a lot of thought that went into that scene, and so I really appreciated that. Even even down to like um there's uh some purple curtains in I guess Lex's chess room is where they were. It looked like that was in Lex's <laughs> house. So I guess he has this room that's just dedicated to playing chess. Uh so there were some choices that I thought were really clever and subtle
0: in this episode yeah i thought that like the costuming was so on point in this one uh like like you said like the set design was really great like it was all telling a story like there you know the the luther purple was was there throughout and and we saw those those kinds of choices that i think melissa was probably making as she was on there and that kind of comes from knowing these characters so well and like living within this story i think it 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 showed in in little ways and big ways and those ways i was really impressed with all of those things
1: like and i don't know how much it's tough because like direct like film directors have a different uh set of responsibilities and say a tv director would because a tv director has to come in and sort of match the tone of episodes that have been before. So there's not as much creativity, to my knowledge, with TV directing as there would be with, like, say, a film director. A film director, like, everything goes through the film director. The writing, the, the wardrobe, the the sets, the everything. Um, but a TV director, I think there is a certain amount of power that they have. But then some of that they just kind of have to... Uh, match the tone of the writing of the script and the tone of what the show's supposed to look like. So I'm not entirely sure how how much of this was was her, but it seems like to me that, and this is something that I would love to talk to more directors of the show. We've had Lexi Alexander on, um, but I would love to interview more of these directors to find out exactly, you know, what kind of things that they um, are able to do creati- uh, creatively. Um, in terms of how they see the show. So that, that would be something that, you know, cross your fingers that we get to ask people one day. Um, but I, I, as far as I understand, like there are probably a lot of these decisions that would go to Melissa. And so I, I would like to think that her choices of lighting and some of the blocking choices and the camera angles and the shots and the way things are handled. Um, if that was all Melissa, she did a fantastic job uh making it look good uh, I can't say so much about the writing of the episode <laughs> uh, but as far as it looking good uh, I think Melissa did a really good job so let's talk about some of the writing uh, aspects of this episode so Morgan um, <laughs> did this did you get some deja vu from
0: watching this episode I did indeed I did indeed get some deja vu they should have called it like deja lex vu or something because uh, this is uh, I was watching it, I was watching it last night, I didn't watch it on Sunday, and I got about halfway through, and I would just like tweet it like, I'm watching the Supergirl yikes, and the reason I did was because it it's the same episode as last year. It's the same setup, like they've created a season where the exact same things happen at almost the exact same time. Yes. Where like we get all the way to the end of the season. And then Lex has a big episode where he explains that like secretly behind the scenes, I was pulling all the strings and it's like, that was cool. The one time, the second time you're like, I saw this. Uh, So I remember it quite well. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't even think that you would need to like, talk about Supergirl or podcast about it or do any, or be that involved in Supergirl to remember that like just last season, there was an episode just like this one where Lex explained this, the, the plot of the whole season for you in flashbacks. So I don't know what they thought they were doing. It almost felt when I started watching it, I was like, is this like, was this part of, like covid was this part of corona because of the way that like there was a lot it felt to me like a lot of it was even like was air quotes flashbacks but was really just scenes from previous episodes like strung together with what might be new footage or what could have just been some footage that they shot back then and didn't use
1: yeah i don't know how much we can blame covid19 for some of this stuff because it seems like (laughs) it only affected the finale so i'm I'm trying to reserve some judgment until then to see how
0: things uh, shake up. Because I wasn't sure if, the, if because of COVID and like losing some of the, a little bit of the finale, they had recut the last yeah. few episodes, or if they just recut the finale. Like I, I'm still not sure uh, what's the case. Um, but this, so I, I think like the two scenarios are this is like, this was a victim of COVID and they did like the best that they could with it. Or this is what they planned all along. In which case, what? Yeah. That, episode, <laughs> that episode felt like a Frankenstein to me. It felt sweaty. Uh, Like it was trying really hard (laughs) to make everything work. Like I felt the perspiration from this episode for how hard it was trying to be like, oh no, we only have this many episodes now. So work, work, work. (laughs) Like I was... I don't know cuz did they were about to uh to film the finale right so did we I can't remember did we
1: lose an episode this season I think it did go from 22 to 20 and I think that was originally due to probably Melissa Benoist's pregnancy and mm-hmm. then it went from 20 to 19 due to COVID-19
0: okay so so technically we did kind of lo- lose an episode this season from what we had planned From what they had even planned with the shorter order. So I don't know. I kind of wonder if they, if the writers kind of just got this far and was like, we've never explained Leviathan. We have, we have no time in which to make them scary anymore. Like, I guess we just need Lex to be behind everything again. I guess that's what it just, it felt um, like so lazy to me and and some of this episode it's not even this episode's fault like I feel like this episode is like just like a kid in class who like got put in like a a grade above them and is just trying trying <laughs> their best <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of the problems of this episode really stem from the fact that this season has been has both been like feel has both felt like truncated to me and also endless like it's <laughs> a- <laughs> too many storylines and not enough i don't really understand like this season is a like a mystery like leviathan itself uh (laughs) in which i'm never gonna get an answer to um but it just feels like they what they should have been doing is all the work that this episode was trying to do (laughs) in like 42 minutes so this episode was running a marathon when you're like hey could we just have a second for like a character to have a reaction to anything and they're like like, no it's Magan like, my my favorite part of that Morgan is that in the scene Jean looks at her and goes Magan and I, was, I was laughing so was hard probably the part in the episode where I just straight up lost it and just started laughing really hard and I was like what am I watching it was if you had just showed me like that section of the episode and you were like is this a parody? I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have known. I would have been like, I think there is it supposed to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't. It nothing made sense and everything happened so quickly. And also the whole episode was one long info dump. Yeah. So I, I finished the episode last night and I was like, I both like don't want to watch that episode again and also feel like I have to watch that episode again to understand anything that happened in it. Spoiler alert. I didn't watch it again. (laughs) Like I didn't have the time today. So I still don't really know what happens. And now that we've recorded, I'm not going to put myself through it again. So, oh, well, but it was just like every, every scene They imparted, like, ten pieces of information rapidly back-to-back without any, like, time for any of that information to breathe. And I got out of the episode, and I was like, I guess they explained Lex's evil plan. Is it just that he's going to have Leviathan take down Supergirl, and then he plans to take down Leviathan? Why did it have to be so... Why did we need so much exposition for that? Supergirl does this way too often
1: where they will time jump through the episode. They, they go from present day to three months ago to 30 days post-crisis, 43 days post-crisis, one month ago, two days ago. And it's <laughs> just like, you guys need to cool it. You need to cool it. I do not think the show does this kind of thing well. There are some shows that can do this. I have time jumped through magical island
0: time with lost <laughs> I was about to say, lost lost as a case in point. We went back to the groovy 70s on Lost and I was cool with it. I was cool with it. Everybody was real, was real chill off an island. Sawyer fit right in with his hair. It was great. <laughs> it was great. On this show, I feel like they're not even very good at ju- like time jumping back three months. Like the, the whole thing was like ninety, like ninety days in the ninety-day times like span post crisis, and it was like y- everything that you've been watching post crisis has been really been one big manipulation by Lex, and I was like, okay, I mean, I feel like that's a, that's kind of what they're like, how they're trying to hand wave away so little of the show post crisis making any kind of consistent sense, and like. Now, like episodes and episodes later, after Crisis, they're like, I guess we'll explain what happened during after Crisis. It's like, no, those like the opportunity to do that was right after it happened. Now we're learning, like, that, uh, like, where Eve has been. I understand that Eve's actress was like on maternity leave. And I honestly, the Eve stuff was kind of the only stuff I liked in the episode. <laughs> Really, because because the idea of Eve accidentally killing Jeremiah Danvers <laughs> really really to me redeemed that whole storyline in a way I can't even explain. <laughs> Whoops! Use use this untraceable poison on Jeremiah Danvers. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> That's such an easy thing to do. <laughs> a little Um, bit I feel like I feel like in that way a little bit of hope lives on in Eve (laughs) (laughs) that is a really good point I want to imagine Eve in the jungles like like (laughs) like the angel and devil on Eve's shoulder and she's like I really shouldn't do this I really shouldn't do this like I, I, I just because he killed my father doesn't mean give me the right to kill somebody and then she hears this like little voice in her head and it was like you should kill him <laughs> die
1: <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe there's still a little hope in there because r.i.p <laughs> R. hope uh i think uh i think hope it seems confirmed that hope is gone oh totally uh best character in this season <laughs> it, season five has for me been the weakest se- season so far and it has mostly felt pretty pointless but at least it gave us hope Uh, that's true uh, and not and not the kind of hope that the show is going to get better just the, the, (laughs) the robot kind um yeah for me like i think you made a good point that this would have been this whole like showing like i like the idea of seeing lex's point of view of waking up in this new world i think that's a good idea we saw that with Kara, like we saw her her wake up to this new earth prime world that they're all this post-crisis post-amide world that everybody's living in now and so i like the idea of seeing how lex reacts to it because he's the one who basically created this new world after the multiverse was rebooted so that that to me is kind of exciting but they did basically try to recreate the house of l and you made an excellent point house of l in season four was four sixteen. it's almost the exact time almost the exact same format the difference is the house of l was a superior episode compared
0: to this week's episode and it was also like a legitimate surprise too like i was surprised when that episode came around and it turned out that like lex had been behind everything because if i remember right like Lex had barely been in that season or, like, hadn't been in that season at all. I think he Um, showed up in
1: 4.15, like, right before that. I want to say that his first episode—let me look that up really quickly. I want to say his first episode was in 4.15. So that would have been his second episode, if that is correct. Let me just verify it really quickly so that uh, people don't don't come back at us (laughs) and— Yeah, so right. so O oh, Brother Where Art Thou was uh John Cryer's first episode as Lex Luther and then House of Bell was right after that. So, yeah, that was right after he showed up on the on the show. And what I think was good about yeah. the House of Bell and why it was it was so effective in season 4 was because it showed Lex as this uh great mastermind. Like it made you respect him as a villain and so that that made a lot of sense to make it, you know, to reveal that Lex was behind everything. It made uh, Season 4 start to come together and it made Lex a really good character. And it was also
0: like a good character study for Lex, this character who we didn't know that well at that point. And uh, and so it like kind of brought us into who Lex was and what his deal was and all of that. At this point, like we know Lex pretty well and he's stuck around like most of this season. There's nothing surprising at this point in the narrative about Lex Luthor being behind anything. Like <laughs> it was surprising last season because he wasn't really a part of the show and then he comes on and then it turns out this is these all all been like Lex strings. Cool. Like, I want to know more about this character. Like, give me a Lex episode, uh, Ducky Lex Luthor knocking it out of the park. At this point, like, we know who Lex is. It would be more of a shock if he wasn't plotting something. For me,
1: I think it it boils down to, I, I don't like that, and this is just my personal opinion, I feel like the writers don't have a lot of respect for us as an audience to recognize that this is almost the same thing they did last season. Um, So it feels like season four is now repeating itself, which is very upsetting to me because I've already seen that season. I've already seen that story. I don't want to see I want to see something different. Um, And then it also feels like to me that they think I think they think they've done all the necessary steps to get us to this point. But for me and and to your point about like was COVID-19 responsible for some of this, it feels like there was a lot that just got skipped over. Like character beats and uh, wardrobe choices, even like when when Jean comes into the crime scene with Supergirl, I'm like, I like your trench coat choice because it does look like John Jones in the comics. But what? Where did that come from? When did he start wearing these trench coats? <laughs> Have I missed that? like it just like even that wardrobe choice was weird to me and a lot of it didn't feel earned with the Kara and lena stuff it was like i thought lena was still trying to mind control the world and hated supergirl now she's like giving Kara books on buddhism to help her through her (laughs) grief over jeremiah what in the world like i i was so confused
0: for me that 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 plot like twist where or that that plot development where Lena gives Car the book um and like says that she's sorry about Car's dad dying like that to me everybody was kind of taking too far out of proportion like just because there are a lot of people who I would apologize for their dad dying that I don't necessarily want to hang out with all the time <laughs> like who I would be nice to even if I was mad at if something like one of their family members died. Uh, so like to me it did it didn't see like Lex freaked out, like, oh my God, they're gonna become best friends again. It's like only if you act weird about it. <laughs> like, dude, chill. Which Lillian to her credit was like trying to say. Like it was like, you know, like what card the what Lena did was just kind of like a normal human thing to do. <laughs> like, it, do- it doesn't mean she doesn't still want to take away everybody's free will, Lex. Chill. Uh, but, like, to so to me, that, like, everybody was acting a little bit ridiculous about, like, Kar- Lena just being, like, you know, normal and nice to Kara. I don't... I mean, I I was kind of hoping that they would just patch it up like unceremoniously in this episode so we could be done with the storyline. <laughs> like a whole season storyline and uh and like she gives her the book and Car is just like, hey, you wanna get a milkshake? And Lena's like, sure girl, sure. And then she <laughs> takes off whatever weird wig she has on her head <laughs> and like throws it up in the air, Mary Tyler Moore style. <laughs> and then that's the end of the feud because I am so sick of the Carr and Lena feud at this point. I'm like when when they had the whole fight in the Fortress of Solitude, I was just like, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care. I want this to be over with every fiber of my being.
1: <laughs> I understand what they were trying to go for. Like they, uh, I think it was back in Tremors at the sort of the first half of the season. There was that big monumental scene between uh, Kara and Lena in the Fortress. And this one, uh it was trying to evoke that same kind of intensity but i think the the feud could have been really interesting i think that could have been you could you could have done a slow burn with that and it could have been really tense and really um you know on the set on the edge of your seat kind of viewing but they didn't do anything with it And I think that I think the season in regards to the Carlina stuff, is just it's such a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree. Like, I feel like even though I like them better as friends, like I want Carlina hanging out all the time, uh, you know, fighting crime or whatever. uh, I could be down for like a feud storyline or like, you know, a fight storyline because that's like really big and juicy and they can like really sink their teeth into it. They're both great actresses and we've seen some of those really good scenes with them. But I think, like you said, it's a missed opportunity, but at this point in the season, I'm honestly tired of it, which if it was like a well-paced story, I would be like, Oh my God, what's going to happen next. And instead I'm just like, just like, I don't know she's either evil or they're going to be friends again like just pick one (laughs) yeah i think that's the problem is they keep wavering back and forth
1: with everything and and now it's like well they they tease that maybe they were friends again but oh lena caught her using myriad and in the fortress so now now she hates her again and it's just it's 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 too much and also too little at the same time And, (laughs) and i'm 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 with you on the fact that like the, it's it's play it's played out because they didn't play it up enough, and I know that's a contradiction in terms, but it just <laughs> it could have been really cool, and I think you could have done some really awesome character stuff between Kara and Lena, but the the fact that they have turned this into a Lex Luthor story is what mm-hmm. take uh, to me. I could have been okay with Lex being a minor character in Lena's story, but now it seems like Lena is becoming a minor character in Lex's story, and I think that's where the season has lost me with the Kara and Lena stuff is because Lena is no longer the focus. Lena and Nano Cherry should have been the focus of the big bad storytelling of this season because then Kara as Supergirl would have a real dilemma on what to do about Lena. And they tried to do that, I think, a little bit, but they did not go to the full extent of it and to the, the ultimate conclusion of that story
0: because then they uh, revamped it to be all about Lex. Oh, I, I agree with this, like, 3,000%. Th- like, like, that's a big—if you think about the first—like, the first part of season five and then— and then the post-Crisis Season 5, the first part of Season 5, the Car and Lena stuff was always really focused. Like, it was there, her finding out, or Car finally telling her, then the big fight and the reveal. And then, like, the last episode before Crisis was, like, a big episode where Car was, like... What am I going to do? Like Lena's about to like unleash this thing on the world. And like a really, like it seemed like it was going to be a breaking point for these two characters or at the very least, like a point to jump off from then crisis happened and they didn't use crisis as an opportunity to reset the friendship, which honestly would have been fine. And they didn't use crisis as an opportunity to do anything with that feud. Instead crisis seemed to put the brakes on the Lena storyline entirely so now so post-crisis we've only got it in drips and drabs like we'll get like a couple scenes of her like testing stuff out on like prisoners and like a couple scenes of her being a little bit petty to Kara sometimes and like it just seems like they they like hit the brakes on that as you said so that Lex could kind of take over and be the big bad and it's like what are you even doing here like Lena Luthor is like the Luther that we have on the show, and she's a main cast member. I just don't. It's feeling like it's the Lex show, and like I like Ducky Lex Luther. I think that he's great, and that John Cryer like has a real presence, and it's like one of my favorite Lex Luthers. But like, I don't want him taking over our like Supergirl. Yeah, I
1: I love his Lex Luther, and I think anytime he's on the screen, he really nails it. Like, and and even the Luther stuff in general in this in this episode was great. Like, I love. Uh, John Cryer yeah. and Brenda Strong going up against each other I love that stuff it's always really well acted but at some point if you're gonna co- if you're gonna commit to this big Carolina storyline you need to see that stuff through because that's a big big deal for Lena to find out the car is Supergirl <laughs> because we waited seasons for that to happen and now it's happened that should be a big uh big huge I'm, I'm trying to think of words that are not like Uh, like, uh, words that I would not normally say, um, but it should be a really, really big deal and it has not
0: been a big deal. And that's, what's really disappointing to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like certainly not since crisis, it hasn't been a big deal. Like everything, it felt like we had, like the show was building up to something and then crisis happened. And then the show kind of just like floundered off into a million different directions, uh, as especially regarding the Carolina stuff, like there's hasn't really been much of an emphasis on it, except for maybe like the hundredth episode and then I feel like the hundredth episode again, like not to believe or point, but that was an episode all about the carolina relationship if they did if they didn't have like a big plan in place or an arc in place for that relationship, that's the episode they could have used to just patch things up, yeah, it was right there. it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> I
1: just wonder sometimes like what would the show look like? if Lena was doing the stuff that Lex was doing. You know, how how would that make it different in terms of the focus of the show? You could still do these same kind of things but just put Lena in there.
0: Yeah, like what if what if Lena was trying to infiltrate Leviathan? Yes. Like what if she was like oh well Supergirl thinks that she can do all the superhero stuff but I'm smart and uh and I can I can get in with Leviathan and like hey there pencil skirt up top what up Ramakana (laughs) got you a succulent like I don't (laughs) like I I could see another version of this of this season where like Lena tries to like double agent Leviathan to like prove a point to Supergirl and then like gets herself in too deep and then needs like Kara's help even though she's like and then comes to her and it's like oh my god I'm in trouble but also still so mad at you <laughs> and I hate hate the bangs like I I could see like petty Lena uh still being mad but like needing her help and then them patching it up or I could even see a version where like Lena becomes kind of like goes down that path and like becomes enmeshed in like the villain and kind of like turns to the dark side Either of those would have made more sense to me as Supergirl stories than what we've got. Yeah, even that
1: scenario where Lena goes into Deep with Leviathan would connect her probably to Andrea, where that relationship had been <laughs> um, delved into at the beginning of this of Season 5, and now we haven't really done anything with Lena and Andrea. What's Andrea even up to? We, we had a backstory with them. The, their relationship seemed really important, and now it's nothing— All we have of Andrea is like her doing
0: commercials for Obsidian Platinum. That's (laughs) all we see of her now. Well, that's because Andrea's storyline is now wrapped up in Lex too. Like, I hate to say this because I really do like Lex Luthor. He's like one of my favorite like villains. And And I love John Cryer's Lex Luthor. Same. So this feels weird to say, but I feel like he's taking over the show. And it's not to the show's like, it's to the show's detriment.
1: Yeah, I hate to say it, but like. I kind of hope he starts going over to Superman and Lois. Uh, I I hate to say that because he's been so much fun on Supergirl. But if this is the way that they are gonna use him, he needs he needs to go play in
0: Superman's world and do stuff with Superman. I feel like they they're using him like a like a crutch. Like they're like, well, we got Lex Luthor and we can just everything could just be Lex Luthor. And it's like. You don't, just because you have Lex Luthor, you don't have to, he doesn't have to be in everything. I think he takes away from
1: so many other characters, and it, it's really unfortunate. He's, he's like like you said, like he's a lot of fun to watch. He has a great uh, persona as Lex. He has a great screen pr- presence. He plays with other actors really, really well, and he's good at what he does, but the writing of it has been really terrible, and it feels like he has taken over a little bit, and... And that's really unfortunate. And I I guess um, we could talk maybe about uh, some of his plans. So he did have this big master plan. So I guess we could sort of talk about... (laughs) I think you need to explain it to me. Okay, so I try... This is is what's wrong with the show. And I think the show thinks it's more clever than it is, really. I think they're like, oh, man, we're going to do some time jumping. And we're going to put some Easter eggs in from previous episodes. And this is going to be so clever. We're, like, mementoing it right now. Like, we are crushing (laughs) it. But I think I and, I, and this is not going to sound. I hope this doesn't sound like egotistical or anything. But I talk about this show every week. This is this is what we do on Supergirl Radio. We analyze things. I make notes, pretty extensive notes. I try to stay on top of like plot lines and character beats and things that are going on. And two minutes into this episode, I was like, "What is happening? What is going <laughs> on?" And I tried to like make sense of what was what was happening and. So from what I understood about all of this stuff is that Lex is trying to use the immortality code to kill Leviathan because they're immortal beings. I get that. That sort of makes sense. Like Pencil Skirt seems to be some sort of technological goddess and so she might be vulnerable to an immortality code. I sort of understand that. I guess I sort of understand now Leviathan's big plan because, like, we've been talking all season about how Leviathan doesn't seem all that threatening.
0: Like, their big plan involved like launching a consumer <laughs> product. Like, I still think it's funny that Leviathan's big plan is to uh, is to like basically like make people like make in app purchases. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 literally you're right it's like uh, their big plan is like a consumer rollout like I feel like I'm (laughs) at work talking about rolling out a new product they're like oh did we get did we get marketing in on this like are you serious there's uh, (laughs) there's nothing more boring than listening to like a bunch of corporate people talk about a product rollout
1: so it seems it seems like
0: that Leviathan's big plan
1: is that Their thing is they they want to cause some sort of big thing with humanity, because I guess they don't like humanity. And so they've got to create something like the Black Plague or Pompeii to sort of wipe some people out and start over, which I was like, if you did Pompeii and the Black Plague, it seems like this VR consumer rollout seems like a lot of work. Like, yeah, why why real. would you go through all this if you could just put a, you know, a disease out there or, you know, have some natural disaster occurring? It seems like that would be less work if you were an evil villain. With a consumer product, you're, like, having to, you know, develop it and test it and, uh, you know, uh, package it and market it. Like, it just seems like that's too much work. Why would you go through that as a villain? I
0: don't understand. Well, also, my favorite thing in this whole episode was that... the so much of it seemed to revolve around Lex being like, well, these reporters might uncover uh like the mistakes in Leviathan. And once they do that, your launch won't go well. And once <laughs> your launch won- doesn't go well, then you can't like get everybody into the VR to kill them. And she's like, you're right. I, I, I am an all powerful technological being, but I can't think of a way to stop three reporters who never even show up to the office for publishing a story. No, you're right. We have to go through all these like great lengths to like, you know, to release a, you know, a sun eater into the world. And like, it's, it was just like, I was like, or like, I, I hate to sound like a villain here. You just kill the reporters. I mean, (laughs) this is not rocket science lady. Well, And
1: they, they went to the, even the great lengths of sending Lex in a worldwide press tour
0: Yes! Uh, it just, you know, it just, it just Oh my God. It, 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 is it? Uh, uh, that was the part where I was like, "Is this COVID? Is that just John Cryer in front of a series of Zoom backgrounds?" <laughs> 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 so, so I
1: guess I kind of, I kind of like Leviathan's sort of big plan that they're gonna. The whole reason that they want everybody to buy these lenses is that they they put them on and they get everybody stuck in the VR and then they just kill them while they're in the VR. I guess that sort of makes sense. And that does seem pretty threatening. But that's also depending, I guess, uh, depending on the idea that people are going to wear the lenses all at the same time. And I guess if you do have like some big launch that's going to tick down and, you know, is it going to be a timer and everybody puts them in at the same time. I guess that makes sense. And I guess it makes sense that they would use fear to do that because they were like, putting out ads while the Sun Eater thing was going up, like, hey, escape the disaster
0: that's about to happen to you by putting the lenses <laughs> that, in. that made me laugh for, like, so many reasons. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, par- I do buy that a lot of people would do that because a lot of people, as we've seen recently especially, are dum-dums and they <laughs> would do it. But honestly, if there is an emergency happening around you, when you want to get to a safe place before plugging into your favorite video game, it just seems to me irresponsible. To, like in the middle of the street, as the sun's exploding, you're like, well, we all got to go some way. And I want to go drinking a cool glass of Ramacan's Rama wine. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what? No, people are going to get to safety. Then maybe I buy that they'll put their lenses in. But like, they just had all these people in the middle of the street. Like somebody's screaming past them and they're like, well, and then they just put the lenses in, <laughs> and then they're just standing in the middle of the street. They're a sitting target. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy that. People in National City, which has, which they have this happen every May, and they know they know stuff's about to go down. They see the calendar turn to May, and they know it's all bad news from there. I don't buy <laughs> that. They wouldn't have like they wouldn't be like no like the one thing I know not to do during these emergencies is like s- stand in one place, making yourself an easy target for a piece of rubble from supergirl's fight to just flatten you (laughs) they have a whole
1: storyline about this last season (laughs) and the idea that supergirl is probably gonna save the day should at least give them some comfort i mean you have supergirl superman They they even have earth uh earth prime has the flash now so the flash could come i mean theoretically there are all these other heroes now who could come and help save the day so it's it's not unthinkable that the people of this you know These citizens in this new national city would have some reliance on the fact that oh, there's a sun eater that was launched into space. Ah, Supergirl's gonna take care of that. I I would imagine that most people would think that. I don't think that, but I guess if you if you go with the idea that these people have become addicted to the VR, I guess I could buy that they would become so addicted that they would be like, well. I want to escape this this problem. I guess I'll go hang out in the VR for a while. <laughs> I guess I get that.
0: I think my problem, I, I think that if that scene had gone differently, like if that scene was like them all getting the not- notices and you see people like in their house, like looking out the window and then just going, I can't deal with this. And then putting on the VR lenses, that I would have no problem with. I think my main problem was like people in the middle of the street. Like mid walk, we're like, uh oh, and then just put in, like, put in the lenses, and then just stood in the middle of the street. It's like, I mean even I'm maybe gonna take your wallet you're just standing there like it's a it's an emergency situation people are running around you and you're just stopped in the middle of the street like anything could happen to you now you have no aware situational awareness like they should have just had it be people like in their houses or like a family huddled together they're scared and they're like all right everybody into the VR that that's a scenario where I'm like okay I buy that like everybody's like scared and they're gonna go into the VR not Not people, not people like in their cars at a stoplight. (laughs) Well, I guess if they think the world is ending, they'll do anything.
1: It's all over now. (laughs) I got to be Indiana Jones for a little while. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a it's a little much. It's a little far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, at least... I guess the one thing about that Sun Eater storyline that I really liked is that it felt comic booky. So I've been complaining in some aspects of Supergirl viewing that sometimes it doesn't feel like a comic book show. Well, throwing a baby Sun Eater into the sun seems... Very comic booky to me. And so I appreciate that they even had that <laughs> shot of the Sun Eater in, in the blue sky. Like, it looked a little ridiculous. But that's also something that would probably happen in a comic book. And so for this show that seems like it's trying to get away from some of that, I at least appreciate that they were uh, okay with showing some of those kind of more ridiculous, more supernatural kinds of things.
0: Yeah, I thought th- I thought the baby sun eater was fun, especially like at the end when I don't know how what she threw it into the sun and then it bounced back as a baby again. <laughs> I don't want to ask questions I, uh, that I, I know, know. no one's got answers to. But I like <laughs> that she was like holding in. She was like, "Oh, he's just a little baby again." I was like, "Oh, that's so cute." Yeah, uh, <laughs> I wish that the like the I I had fun with that, like the baby sun eater stuff, like or, or the uh, young adult sun eater. Maybe it was like a teenage <laughs> yeah. sun eater, and it was like you can't tell me what to do, Supergirl. I'm gonna eat the sun if I want to. All my friends are, uh, and she was like, "Oh God, I gotta, I've got to babyfy you again. You're too annoying now." But, uh, <laughs> but like that, that those scenes, I felt like had a very like had a, a frantic energy that was almost dreamlike, where I questioned a couple times whether all of that was really happening or if it was like <laughs> some sort of hallucination we were all sharing together. <laughs> because that was like the period of time where it was like all of a sudden the Sun Eater's out, they're going up to space, Magon's back. She's like, oh, the Q waves, whatever. And then like they have like a weird moment and I had to I had to ask myself, wait, are they into each other? Do I remember that? Like, (laughs) did I repress that? (laughs) And then they're like, then suddenly, like, she's got the Lexos suit. It was just, if you had told me that whole thing was like, Uh, Kara had breathed in some like hallucinogenic fumes I would have believed you
1: so we're going to talk about the Lexo suit in the feedback (laughs) um, because we had a listener who sent in some stuff that reminded me about the Lexo suit and why Supergirl would never have been able to wear it Uh, so we're going to get to that in the feedback section but what I would say about the Lexo suit uh, just from my personal thoughts is where did she get it? Is yeah, it just at the DEO, and now because Supergirl and Lex are supposed to be allies, does does does, does just anybody have access to the Lexo suit? Can anybody just—because I would imagine that Lex Luthor A wouldn't let anybody use it but himself or Lillian. Like, I, I, I know Lillian has used it, so maybe only Luthers could use it. That makes sense to me. And also, if you had access to where you could uh, take it— Even being able to wear it seems like there would be some sort of passcode or some sort of uh, key that you would have to access in order to operate it. But I guess anybody can just go and pull it off the shelf and step into it. Like it just she came out of nowhere and was wearing the Lexo suit, which is impossible for her. And we'll get to that. But also just (laughs) just simply where did she get it is my question. So I had I had so and that that goes back to my thought about how like I think they think they get to places where things are explained, but they're not it just feels it feels choppy like it feels like they skip things like it just feels like there's moments cut out of the episode that would explain something and then it just never is. So I I guess they wanted it to be a surprise, like, oh, Supergirl's here to save the date, which I appreciate because I'm actually surprised that Supergirl did get to save the date. <laughs> um, so I will give them that. Um, Okay, so I had one other thing that I wanted to sort of bounce uh, off you, Morgan, because uh, we've been uh, going through a lot of speculations about this character in season five. So... There's a moment where Lex is uh, talking to Eve on the phone and he says she needs to activate William Day.
0: Yes, okay. So that that was a big question I had for you <laughs> because I still don't understand Lex's plan. We probably should circle back to that so you can explain it to me. But um, does this mean that William... A.K. Our boy Comet the horse because <laughs> we all know been, that he is Comet the Super. Of course he is. Has been working for Lex. Like, does Lex have a hay hookup we don't know about, or <laughs> is is he is he feeding them them good good oats or something? I don't know. <laughs> Lots of carrots. I think it's carrots. Lots, so many carrots. I was uh, I was like, oh, that's a twist. Like William is working for Lex, and William's evil and then it kind of seemed like maybe they just gave him a tip which is the least exciting version of that scenario i could think of (laughs) yeah if he was
1: okay so activate is a very interesting word to me yeah exactly right
0: that that seems like you're working for
1: him because he's either like some sort of spy or activate could mean like they had to flip a switch and turn him on is he a robot is he some kind of mind-controlled stooge henchman? What what is he? And and this is another thing that goes back to my uh, my issue that I don't think a lot of these things are earned. Like, yes, it would be kind of an interesting twist, but at the same time, they've played up William for most of the season as actually kind of, in my opinion, a very earnest character who does seem to genuinely like Kara. And has actually been pretty helpful with the uh, storyline in terms of trying to investigate Lex and Leviathan. And to all of a sudden make him a a part of Lex's evil plan, that doesn't feel earned to me at all. No, no, definitely not at all. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what any of that means. I don't know. I mean, I guess it would... I guess to one of my earlier questions in the season where I was like, I don't get the point of William. I don't understand. Like, I like him, but I don't understand why he's here. If they do, quote, activate William as some sort of uh, spy, mole, whatever you want to say about him, that would at least give him a purpose of existing as a character. So in that way, I would appreciate it because at least it would give him a reason to be in the storyline. But at the same time, I just don't think it's earned. I don't think they've gotten to that point where it it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's the more interesting story avenue, I'll say, that like that he's secretly been working for Lex this whole time. But it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make sense. It's not earned in any way whatsoever. And again, it doesn't make any sense. Like I want it to be true because then it gives that character like a reason to exist in the season, but I don't think it, like in hindsight, none, none of his story makes any sense whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens
1: in the last, uh, what is it? Two episodes now. So, oh God. Only two. Yeah. Um, I guess really quickly we could talk maybe, uh, as we could sort of wrap up our thoughts, uh, uh, because we didn't really hit on the fact that pencil skirt like revealed her true self in terms of what she looked we got a really good look at pencil skirt in this episode so what did you think about her more uh technological uh facial features
2: uh
0: yeah she seems like a little bit metal (laughs) uh and by that i mean it looks like she's kind of made out of metal um Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It was the only time I thought she seemed threatening in any way. Before that, I was like, the biggest threat would be that she'd probably like make you have to like work overtime, but not pay you for it. (laughs) Or, you know, she's, like, the person in the meeting that, like, is, like, oh, my God, you did such a great job, but then you get into the meeting and she takes credit for your work. That seemed like yeah. the mm. the the most nefarious that she would be. So, at least this gives Pencil Skirt, like, a little bit of an edge that I felt she was lacking. Uh, at uh, With that said, we are, you know, two episodes from the end, and I'm finally, like, oh, I guess that's Pencil Skirt's thing. Like, when he was, like, oh, you're, the like, the goddess of technology, I was, like she is <laughs> <laughs> did i miss that this whole time
1: <laughs> yeah uh
0: that was did good you like to how rama is like the uh the plant guy
1: yeah uh so the her look sort of reminds me of that chick who gets thrown into that big robot at the end of superman 3 it's been a, <laughs> it's been a while since i watched that but um but that's sort of what it looked like to me i don't know if that was supposed to be an intentional homage i think it's a cool look and i agree with you that was the only that was the first time that I really was scared of pencil skirt. Um, so I think in that in that regard, it did make her seem really scary. Uh, but seeing her face and seeing all of the sort of the cybernetic um, aspects of her her new facial features, it really hit me that uh, that this season really should be involving Brainiac Five more, and that's really strange to me that like. He has been such a minor character in this whole season about technology. Um, It seems like Brainy would be a character who would be much more important to all of this than he is.
0: It's a very strange choice to sideline, like, the actual, like, cybernetic, (laughs) like, robot character. Like, I don't character i don't really understand and also uh, be- again because i'm not 100 percent sure i'm up to date on lex's plan is <laughs> is lex playing brainy like didn't brainy didn't brainy say that didn't the other brainiacs say that the only way to win against leviathan was to like work with lex yes but lex is playing everybody so is brainy getting played or like i I'm, I don't know. I'm very confused.
1: I'm hoping that by the end of the season, Brainy will figure out what Lex is doing and he'll put an end to it. And maybe Brainy will be the one who takes down Leviathan. But it just, it's so, it's so strange. Brainy should have such a bigger part in all of this and, and he should be shown to be a little smarter than than what he is. Uh, But it just seems like a missed opportunity like the season this season as a whole is just a big missed opportunity of things and and that and that's me uh, inserting my own views and thoughts and uh, wishes about what the show should have been and that's probably not a great way to critique it but it just seems like there are some obvious things that they didn't go for that would have made more sense. Some of this stuff, it just, it feels like they've shoehorned Lex in where he didn't really need to be in the story. So I guess that's where a lot of my frustration is. Um, so I guess, should we go to kind of overall thoughts? I know we kind of talked about, uh, uh, I think we hit most of our thoughts. There might be something that we
0: left out, but um, we can talk I about think, it in the feedback. I think the, the last thing, the last thing, question I have before, before we get to feedback, can you explain Lex's plan to me?
1: So... <laughs> Lex finds Leviathan threatening, so he's working with Leviathan in order to um, try to get in deep with them so that he can use the immortality code on them. Um, That, I think, is the basic part of his plan is just that he wants to be able to use that immortality code in order to kill Leviathan. But now it's not just about getting rid of Leviathan anymore. Now it's about killing Supergirl.
0: How did they get this immortality code again? I feel like that was from a previous episode.
1: Yes, that was from the Toy Man little mini okay. storyline where um, Toy Man, uh, the, the evil Toy Man that when came back from the future to defeat because he had uh, ruined his good name in the future— he comes back and he stops that evil Toy Man, but the evil Toy Man had developed an uh, an immortality code so that he could live inside technology. And so they're trying to take that code and use it against Leviathan. Okay, that does make sense.
0: So it really is just like Lex is using Leviathan to kill Supergirl and then once that happens, he plans to kill Leviathan and just take over? It's, it feels like there was a lot of exposition to get to what is essentially a very simple plan. But it also makes me wonder, like, how things like Brainy feature in. And also, isn't Brainy supposed to be one of the smartest characters, like, in this world? And yet he seems to be consistently, like, bamboozled by everyone. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really unfortunate because he's a 12th level intellect. Now, granted, Lex Luthor is probably the smartest human uh, who exists in the DC universe. But oh, God, I just, I don't, I don't understand the choices that they're making with the season. I just, I don't understand it at all. Um, So I guess those are my overall thoughts. I didn't understand it. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. yeah so uh, I guess once maybe we go into the feedback, maybe uh, some things will be cleared up for us. We'll see. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about, and let me try to pronounce it
0: correctly, a Deus, Deus, Lex Machina. <laughs> uh, at Mark HB PWM said, the first thing I missed is that I thought we were going to see some of Lex pre-crisis and see why he was so loved. Also, apparently Eve was never hope now. But that doesn't mean that the hope voice can't live forever. And I agree, Mark. I agree <laughs> <laughs> um at leto large said i liked it melissa benoist did great behind the camera i enjoyed the filling in the gaps aspect of the episode seeing how lex used his previous knowledge at the start of this new universe to pull all the strings love the new eve sucks she killed uh jerry that? i think oh, that's jerry i think oh. it's short for jeremiah Good old, good old Jeremiah. I didn't realize that that they were on the first name basis. With good old Jerry, Jerry there uh, at uh, at Talk DCTV said, even if it was very similar to the Lex episode in season four, I always enjoy seeing Lex's carefully thought out plans showcased in an episode. Melissa's directing was magnificent. Uh, at Zan Danny said, I don't even know what to say about this episode. <laughs> I did like Melissa Madois's directing. I had no issues with that, but the rest, I have no clue what I just watched. The most disappointing part was this was the exact same plot they used with Lex last season. <laughs> uh, at Sony Rivat 1997 said great directorial debut for Melissa. It was almost excellent." Ah. Uh, but I noticed one thing. Why does it feel like Kara behaves differently with Lena when she is Supergirl? Every time they talk as Kara and Lena, it feels less hostile than as Supergirl and Lena.
1: Thoughts? Uh, It's probably because the Supergirl aspect of Kara's character is what uh, she feels betrayed about. So I imagine the Kara part of her she still connects to because Kara was her friend. Uh, supergirl was the secret identity that was kept from her so if i was to read into lena's uh anger issues i think she would see supergirl and be reminded of that betrayal but with Kara, i think she probably still sees her as her best friend
0: yeah i think that the supergirl persona is kind of like salt in the wound sometimes to lena especially since like the Supergirl persona is, is usually the one trying to stop Lena from doing like whatever. (laughs) That's true. That is true. (laughs) She's like, Are you You get to use Myriad. I wanted to use Myriad. Uncool. Uh, She's never going to get to sit at her lunch table again. Uh, <laughs> at Square Screen E said, I liked it. So much exposition. Lex's plans make me confused. So I guess his plan worked? Because his plans were too layered and I got confused watching it. William is a clone, robot, or lens controlled. What's happening? Wait, what (laughs) yeah with the the uh
1: activate william i think was the question oh it like oh so if you it because when i hear activate i think robot yeah Robot. Yeah, that's what I
0: think. Wouldn't it be great if he was a robot horse? I would still take it. It would be amazing. (laughs) Uh, At Kaya underscore Matsui said, I love how they always use Lena to point out Kara's hypocrisy, especially in the case of Myriad. Yes, I know what Kara was trying to do is different, but still looks bad from Lena's perspective. Are Kara and William dating? I really can't tell from how they interact. Well...
1: I, I guess they sort of sort, sort of subtly uh put it in there where William like baked a bunch of uh baked goods and brought it to Kara's apartment. So I guess, but that could still just be him being a good friend. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. it's weird.
0: It, it it is weird. I, I do I do appreciate that William's like long game on getting Kara is just to like pry her with food and beverage. It would work. It, yeah, that's gonna work. That's gonna work. That's he's playing the long game, but he's playing smart. I will <laughs> say. <laughs> Uh, At Electra WWF said, good episode, but let's move on from the Luther family in season six. It's been too long already since the end of season four. Also, what is this? Put on your VR lenses so you can ignore the big, terrible thing happening and not run for safety business. Who does that? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying Um, at SL freaky said good episode but I think there's some missed potential in not noting that Lex was a good guy in this universe until pre crisis Lex jumped into his spot. If I was Eve I'd be more worried about Alex finding out. Also I really wish they'd let the Martians save the day at the end. Okay, so just real quick, because this tweet mentioned
1: Alex. Did you find it weird that Alex talked about her dad as Jeremiah? Yeah,
0: super weird. Super weird. I know that she's got, like, a lot of, like, anger issues towards Jeremiah. um, But, and also towards herself for letting him wander in the jungle (laughs) for all those years. Um, But, no, that seemed really strange. Like, I feel like every other time she's called him, like, her dad
1: yeah i thought that was really really weird that she called him jeremiah like she named him by his name and also it seems like Kara's more upset about jeremiah than uh alex is and uh i appreciate that because i think Kara would be uh emotionally um devastated by losing someone but it seems like alex should be kind of that upset too it just That that whole thing is just very strange to me.
0: Yeah, I feel like that that whole storyline was kind of weirdly dropped. They were like, "Okay, we did the episode, bye." (laughs) Uh, But uh, again, I just have to give props. Like, there's not a lot I liked in this episode. The reveal that it was Eve that killed Jeremiah. (laughs) uh, I mean, like, chef's kiss uh, to that one. (laughs) My hats off to you, and you, and you, all you writers. (laughs) uh at patty mellow 20 said this episode made no sense i'm getting really tired of this i will explain the villain's plan in one episode model why not show us all of this during the season we had episodes where nothing happened at least lena was in this one i missed her melissa did a great job uh uh at fractal inverter said awesome episode um at well this then said probably the worst episode this dismal season way too much exposition too confusing just a mess really um, and then at tone underscore ring said overall I enjoyed the episode even if it did feel like that season 4 reveal at least it gave us some indication on what Lex has been doing pro- post crisis I did lose it though when even Jeremiah was part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and then can we boardroom or ballroom Lillian please <laughs> And now Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Uh,
1: okay. I think I might have forgotten to do a screen cap of Lillian, but we, uh, we can talk. Uh, Lillian basically wore a lot Lillian of Lillian rocking her soft, her
0: soft pink blazer again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she also wore like a, a silver uh, blouse at one point uh but yeah she's she's very into the uh, the pink the the pastels it looks like she has her own office now like she has her own
0: set it looks like that was like my favorite part of um of post crisis like i haven't liked a lot of how they handled crisis but when Lena comes into Lillian and is like there's all this stuff that you need to know and Lillian's like oh yeah Lex already told me and I'm evil now <laughs> and she's like and she's got like a soft pink blazer and she's sitting in like like a pink pastel office with like girl boss written on things <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I feel like pre, pre pre-crisis Lillian in this universe was, was just like really supportive to her employees and gave people pep talks and like, and just really wanted to see everybody grow in their careers. And then like, (laughs) and then like Lex walked in one day and was like, Hey moms, you know, in my, in my universe, you're evil. And she was like yes I am <laughs> <laughs> just like flipped on a switch and like suddenly was evil uh, that's like Lillian is um, perfection and uh, if there is if there's a, another complaint I have is that there was just not enough Lillian like Lillian just every time saying to Lex like you're an idiot Like what <laughs> like we can have it all dude if you could just be normal for a second and he's like I can't I'm sorry and she's like oh I, like why, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh Brenda strong, even if the uh, writing is not great, she kills it every time, like it's so good um should should we go through some other character uh wardrobe choices in here, um so oh, yeah. so uh, I think it's
0: boardroom or ballroom time <laughs> it's
1: boardroom or ballroom time, and uh mostly we we try to focus on Lena Luther during this segment, but we can talk about some other characters if you want, so. What are your thoughts on Lena's wardrobe choices in this episode?
0: Yeah, I thought there were some great Lena looks in this one. Uh, first, she was all like. All in lutherian purple this mm-hmm. episode which i respect it uh we did have that weird wig uh like Jersey <laughs> Shore bump situation in the back <laughs> of her head that was never adequately explained but i just went with it because okay whatever you <laughs> want to do lena you're struggling you're struggling put some more hair in your hair i'm not gonna judge you <laughs> who among us we're all in quarantine we're all thinking about giving ourselves our own haircuts who among us can judge <laughs> lena luther <laughs> um it's still it was as weird in the episode as it was in the still photos. It was just I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I was like, Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did like her like purple dress that was like short and then she had like go-go boots on it looked very like uh very mod a very like 60s outfit like she should be like dancing to the beatles and the bandstand (laughs) or something i was like i don't know i like it i like the whole look i like the whole vibe i think she was really killing it in that and then in later in the episode she really changed her outfit and her whole vibe so if she was in the 60s before she went back further in time uh to about the the 1800s and she and then she was serving us some penny dreadful realness she was like look it's me i'm a victorian ghost Uh, but i'm a victorian business ghost because i've got a lot of lace, but i also have this smart blazer so like I'm not just here to haunt you I'm here to change your 401k Uh, and I appreciated (laughs) that look overall I thought it was great it was very strange and uh, concerning and it was so low even though like you can't tell because of all the lace I was like does that thing go down to her navel it doesn't matter (laughs) Lena Luther was rocking it she was like this is what I'm going to use to do some experiments in my free time with no one else around this is what I got to wear to like just to just work on my science in a basement by myself i put on (laughs) my fanciest victorian ghost outfit and then my smartest (laughs) (laughs) victorian victorian ghost
1: is not what i first thought of when i saw i really love that
0: you went straight to victorian ghost it's perfect
1: perfect. what
0: was what was your first impression of the lace outfit Uh, i don't
1: I guess um, I thought it was interesting and this is not uh, funny or anything, but uh, the, the thing that goes around her neck was really interesting because it sort of uh, looked at, uh, it looks like a crown, like a shape of a crown. Oh, yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting because the uh, Luthorian uh, purple is a reflection of royalty and so it's a little weird that a crown would be around her neck but i i just thought that that was kind of interesting but yeah i mean you nailed it a victorian ghost i'm there I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 seeing it now and i really liked the suit i thought it was great um i'm still i still have an issue with how the the luthers can just go in and out of the fortress of solitude because uh at some point we know they had a gigantic key that only kryptonians could pick up. So I do I guess that's uh gone with season 1. Uh, <laughs> but
0: but uh but yeah. yeah.
1: But I I liked uh, Lena's looks in this one.
0: Yeah, I thought she was serving some some great looks. I thought Lex was really put together too. Lots of lots of suits, lots of black. Lots of black, lots of suits. She really showing his evil, his evil side. Um Eve was giving me everything in that first in that first scene of hers because she's got on she's like kicking this guy's butt she's got on a like sparkly like purple green kind of dress it's like all sequence. like i feel like you don't want to get hit by that dress because it's gonna hurt it's gonna scratch <laughs> yeah and i think that that went into like she's like this is my armor like the like the noble porcupine <laughs> i too <laughs> <laughs> will scratch you as I fight you in my dress. Uh, but I think uh, that one was really fun because I feel like we haven't seen Eve like all dressed up to be like out in the club. I really wanted the backstory behind like what was happening in that scene, like where she was and how she got there. Doesn't matter though. <laughs> I'll take anything with Eve. She had a couple of different uh, looks in this in this
1: episode. I really liked her green dress that she had on that had a lot of sleeve uh on that that one green dress and uh then she was wearing the uh the red turtleneck with the coat that i thought was really cool so she had a lot of good wardrobe uh changes in this one i can see now why andrea brooks wanted to go into the wardrobe department and maybe take a few things but they've got that (laughs) on lockdown now but
0: these are some great looks for her yeah because i feel like the uh the green bell sleeve look like that's where she could hide the poison for jeremiah like up to sleep like she was like hold on Lex no problem I got it and then (laughs) and then her other look was like I don't know she kind of looked like a like a spy again I think I feel her her spy looks were like on point like that turtleneck with the like the plaid jacket like I don't know man I feel like she looks came came right out of the Americans I'm (laughs) into it uh speaking of things i'm into and then things i'm not into lex's <laughs> wig <laughs> where where would we we re- re- rate the bartender wig on the uh wiggy to work in it oh uh, i'm i'm skit. 100% working it i love <laughs> it.
1: i think he's really nailing that bartender like i've been around a while i might also uh, have been in a grunge band in the '90s. <laughs> I really, I see it with him. Like I think with the, with the facial hair and
0: everything, I think it blends pretty well. I'm I'm into it. You know, I was gonna give this a wiggy. But now that you mentioned that, like, he's really following his bliss, I do commend him on, like, really settling on, like, a Chris Angel mind-free look that that he's really embraced. And I think, you know, for what he's going for, I'm going to give that a work in it, too. (laughs) Good for you, Lex. Good for your hair. Uh, And then I think our last looks are just from uh, Pencil Skirt, who also... Did you notice that they said her name like different every single time a different person yeah, said it? Yeah, I'd like, Miran, Miran, all over again. Yeah, I think they they said Gemine. Yeah. Yeah. Is how I think that a lot of people were like, "Hey, this is Gemine." And then somebody was like, "This is Gemine." <laughs> a
1: Gemini, Gemini maybe? Yeah, I I I just call her Pencil Skirt. It's much easier to remember.
0: <laughs> yeah. Pencil Skirt was a uh, was really feeling like the green uh, because she's thinking about all the money from those in-app purchases <laughs> she's going to be collecting. <laughs> <laughs> all the sales of RamaCon's Rama 1 Rama <laughs> that's about to be flowing in. Uh, <laughs> gorgeous color green. Love it. Pencil skirt. Really killing it. <laughs> oh,
1: man. That was probably the best boardroom or ballroom we have ever done. Hey!
0: this has been lena luther boardroom or ballroom i,
1: I guess we have one final tweet uh that and really i think
0: sums up uh so many thoughts that we've had here tonight i agree and it's from danver at danvers girls who said i enjoyed it but and then there's a gift that says so much exposition yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that uh, i think that really uh, sums it up All right, well, we have an email from New Rachel who writes, quote, Melissa did a great job with this episode, and also uninhibited Brainy should be able to uh, easily outsmart the Luthers and single-handedly take down Leviathan, so I hope he does have a plan to stop them already, unquote. Oh, that's an interesting point about how maybe uninhibited Brainy uh, should come into play, because he probably would be smarter than a lot of them.
0: I would hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Courtney sent in an email with a question. Uh, and the question is, how can Supergirl be in an Alexa suit if it has kryptonite in it? That is a really astute question, Courtney. <laughs>
1: and um, it's a question. Rebecca, take it away. <laughs> so I had sort of forgotten about this uh, because I guess there was just so much going on in season five that I just had to focus all my energy on season five. And I forgot <laughs> about season four. So I went back to the Arrowverse Wiki to look up uh, the Lexo suit because the Arrowverse Wiki does a really good job about the details of things, and I really respect that as somebody who takes pretty <laughs> extensive notes myself. So uh, Courtney is correct about the kryptonite in the Lexo suit, and there is absolutely no way if the Lexo suit is the same, uh, if it has the same components as what we've seen previously with the Lexo suit, there's no way. The car should have even been able to be near the Lexo suit, Uh, especially not to be able to control it and fly into space like she did. Um, Because previously, at least in the Lexo suit, it did have a kryptonite sword. Uh, The suit's right armor uh, carries a kryptonite sword that is able to damage Supergirl and give her radiation poisoning. It also has the ability to imprison Supergirl uh, using Kryptonian imprisonment. Uh, The Lexa suit can be remote-controlled to imprison a target inside of it and release Green Kryptonite into the suit. And we know this because in Season 4, this is how Supergirl was uh, contained long enough for Red Daughter to frame her. You remember when Red Daughter attacked, I think, the the White House? uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, attacked people inside the government, and everybody thought Supergirl did it. And Supergirl, our Kara, was actually contained by the lexo suit and couldn't move to stop her that was because of the lexo suit mm. so there is no way that she would be able to get inside that lexo suit and control it and fly into space and not be harmed at all
0: well also and i i hate to like point this out but didn't Kara literally have her like uh i always forget the the musical artist it looks like like <laughs> daft punk Daft Punk. Doesn't she have her Daft Punk suit? Like, couldn't she have used that? I don't know. It's I got th- a helmet. <laughs> it,
1: it is very similar, and it seems like that—she should have a space suit. I don't know why it doesn't seem like she does. The Daft Punk suit, to my knowledge, is only used—or uh, at least in Season 4, she only used it when— uh she uh was afraid of kryptonite poisoning so that suit could sort of protect her from some of that stuff um but she's she's used it several times and i think it does protect her from kryptonite like why would
0: she why would she need the um the suit at all she
1: needed the suit so that it could uh uh boost the the cannons or whatever that came out of it that went into the baby sun eater so she had to shoot it with the the cannons and so that's why she needed the lexo suit because the lexo suit had the cannons um so anyway great point courtney thank you so much for bringing that back up and uh i'm going to give you all the stars for that one um so fanny sent us uh, uh sent us an email about colors and wardrobe that we might uh be able to get into as well uh uh, this is something that uh, I think uh, could be enlightening for some of the characters on the show. So Fanny writes, quote, this week I noticed a few things. In two different scenes, Gemma is wearing green. And we talked <laughs> a little about uh, uh, about her wearing those uh, outfits. And uh, according to, I guess, a website called color-meanings.com, uh, Fanny points out that green... Uh, is for uh so this is what green is sort of representing people who like green clothing colors tend to live in a good neighborhood have a lot of friends and are very social they are also environment friendly and have a good sense of balance such personality types tend to party well eat well and live well they are very mindful of their social standing reputation and financial position uh which seems pretty uh pretty accurate i guess for a pencil skirt she is uh pretty wealthy she seems to do pretty well she is <laughs> environmental in purchases <laughs> environmental friendly uh which i guess i mean she did uh, i mean she just buds with rama khan yeah so i and guess he's all about the earth. he's got a pile of dirt for her somewhere <laughs> but i'm um, but we know i mean she probably parties well and eats well and lives well yeah uh and she does have a uh high social standing and reputation and financial financial position so all of those things check out Uh, Fanny also says, uh, also, I know you've talked a few times about the color purple, the color of the Luthers and royalty. I noticed that when Lillian and Lex are playing chess, the curtains are purple. Yes, we did talk about that as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, Lena is also wearing purple in the episode. And so for purple, uh, the website says purple clothing colors were only used by the royalty in the past today they indicate a personality type having great love for art creativity and imagination such people also tend to have a deep insight they are charming but prone to be temperamental and uh uh uh, fanny also adds a little commentary saying yeah temperamental is the word i would use to describe lena this year and in this week's episode (laughs) fanny also says on the other hand lillian was wearing pink and there were a few and there were a few (laughs) few pink accessories in her office so according to another website everydayhealth.com uh it says despite its demure appearance pink may have some powerful effects on mood and emotional health in the late 1970s psychologist alexander uh schaus maybe probably Uh, found that prison detainees who stared at ceilings and walls painted pink experienced a decrease in aggression. So if a happier, less angry mood is your goal, opt for a clothing color with a rosy hue. And Fanny adds, "You can see that Lillian is trying really hard to control her aggression, especially when talking to Lux." Unquote. Uh, so those are uh, really great insights that's into awesome. the
0: color and the wardrobe choice. That's so fun. I love I love those kind of things. That's that's so neat that she like wrote in and like pulled out all the colors. And also that like a lot of it was what we had already talked about. That's perfect. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, So Sam wrote in to say Lena and Cara's cat co-scene was a great entry point back to the friendship only to have, in my opinion, the worst Lena scene to date. It felt like a toddler who was told they couldn't have ice cream. It just did not make any sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I th- I think the scene in terms of like their acting was really good. There's a there's a moment um when Kara uh, adjusts her glasses a little bit. She sort of um makes a move with the glasses. And of course, we've talked about for forever on Supergirl Radio about how when Kara messes with her glasses, that's like an emotional uh beat for her. And so for her to do that, I think she does it right after Lena says, you know, I'm I'm sorry for you know what happened. And so for Car to do that, it was almost like she was um, connecting to Lena again through Jeremiah's death. So I, I really like those little touches. And those, those are things that I am confident that Melissa adds to it. I don't know if that's something that's written on the page. Uh, I, I really think that Melissa takes takes uh, a point to do those kinds of things those little touches really make Kara cara stand out as a character agreed well redlocks 27 wrote in and asked us several questions so uh let's see if we can answer them <clears throat> so the first one is what are your thoughts towards uh car finding out that lex is behind jeremiah's death and will she be mad at lena for a guilt by association unquote so uh wh- what do you think is going to happen if Kara finds out that lex is behind jeremiah's
0: death I don't know. I don't think she's going to be mad at Lena. I mean, it wasn't Lena's fault. It was it was Lex and uh and my girl Eve. <laughs> so <laughs> I think she'll I think she'll, the you know, the the blame will be uh squarely on Lex for that one. And she already doesn't like Lex very much, so I don't see that relationship changing very much. Uh I my first question is are we going to even see that happen?
1: I don't even yeah. know. I don't even know <laughs> if we're going to get a moment when uh when Kara finds out that Lex uh, is behind Jeremiah's death, I'd be I'd be shocked if we actually get something like that. And I actually think maybe Lena will approach Lex about it because Lena had that moment where she was like, you know, I I really struggled with the death of my mother and all of that kind of stuff. So she she might channel that grief that she has over her mother and put it on. Uh, Kara and uh, the death of Jeremiah so that could be an interesting uh, scenario there because Lex did talk about how Lena has a loyalty to Supergirl and so that could that could be something if they really wanted to play with that they could they could do something like that. Alright so the second question is what are your thoughts on Lena finding out about Lex's manipulation and will that be the bending point for her to ask Kara for forgiveness? thoughts
0: morgan yeah i could see that definitely happening where she kind of realizes like what's going on with lex and uh and sort of goes back to Kara and apologizes and and they patch things up although i mean and if that is the case why does non-no cherry exist at all that's an excellent question Like, what is uh, in what way is non-no cherry going to play into this season because we've got two episodes left and it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with anything else.
1: And it doesn't even seem like it's Lena's thing anymore because now it's be- <laughs> now it's become Leviathan's thing that they would be able to control people's minds in the VR. So it doesn't yeah. even uh, I don't know. I, don't... I, I was kinda <laughs> I was kind of intrigued by Lex's experiment where like the lab rat disappeared. I guess that was maybe the lab rat uh succumbing to the immortality code. I don't know.
0: I thought it was he was like doing the like making the lab rat like a krata like. Like oh. I thought that was supposed to be tying into the Andrea Rojas thing, but honestly, your guess is as good as mine. That's a that's a really good point
1: though, because it seemed like initially post crisis that Andrea didn't know anything about Akrata. and then all of a sudden she had that ability, and discovered it. So it's possible that God, Lex is behind her having a crowd of powers. <laughs> <laughs> He's behind it all. That is so annoying. If that's the case, yeah. but now that you mention it, it did sort of look like the Acrota ability. So uh, you might be right about that. Um, okay. So the final question is: Will Eve go to Supergirl and reveal Lex's mastermind plan? I think it's possible uh, uh, because Eve did seem bothered by the fact that Lex had her go kill an innocent man. So I could see her having a lot of second. uh, And also because Lex turned her down. She could could be a a woman scorned and maybe try to, you know,
0: turn around and, and do something to him. Yeah, and like he didn't just turn her down. He was like oh, hey, I turned you down, I played you, and whoops about that dude you murdered. <laughs> uh, so, so I could totally see Eve going to uh, to Supergirl and being like, um, first off, sorry about your dads, and uh, <laughs> second off, here's Lex's evil plan that he outlined to me in, in detail. Yeah, I think Supergirl would
1: have to promise Eve that her mother wouldn't get harmed in the process uh, because that did seem to be a, a sticking point for Eve, but... I could see it happening.
0: So Daryl wrote in to say, we have two episodes left before the season is over, and they're no closer to making me believe a fight for Lena's soul is still a story they want to tell. I agree with
1: that, Daryl. I think uh, maybe they were starting that at the beginning of season five, but it is no longer the focus of the season.
0: Yeah, it seems like they kind of dropped that uh, along
1: with a lot of other things. Melissa, I think, seemed really excited about that storyline because it's it's Melissa, I think, Uh, going back to try to find the source of that initial interview, I think that phrase, fight for Lena's soul, that a lot of fans have been sort of holding on to, um, I think that came from an interview with Melissa. And so I think that it it disappoints me on her behalf because I think that was a story that could have been really exciting for her and could have been exciting for Katie. And it could have been a really interesting one to watch uh, for, for viewers. And the fact that it's not a focus anymore is just all kinds of disappointing
0: yeah that did sound like it was going to be interesting and ultimately
1: okay uh so Anne wrote in to teach us a little something about opera writing quote as a huge huge opera nerd i'm easily distracted by any opera in any medium i had to watch the scene with lex's betrayal of eve at the end of the episode several times as i was too distracted to, uh, to identify and i think i'm going to uh try to pronounce these uh porgy Armour from mozart's lenoce L- let me see wait she put the uh pronunciation in here for me so let me see if i can just listen to it really quickly i don't want to sure uh let's see lenoce de figaro is how they pronounce it in the uh uh website here and the other one is poor gm <laughs> Poor Jim, I'm trying. I'm trying to pronounce. Um, uh, pronounce it like the the person who did the translation. Um, so those two things. Uh, uh so uh, the second one, the Lunozzi di Figaro, uh, is the marriage of Figaro, paying and playing in the background, a fitting song both for Lex's love of Mozart and the theme. In the song, the Countess is lamenting the loss of her husband's love, mirroring Eve's own form of heartbreak. And here is the English translation of the libretto. Um, I love these like Italian things. I, I know. know, so fun. <clears throat> okay. So fun. I feel like this is maybe a stereotype, but I uh... oh, about to say, the way I said it, it sounds like a Super
0: Mario. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm uh, half Italian, so <laughs> so I can butcher that beautiful language. <laughs> I love. I love. I love
1: the uh, the Italian culture. Um, so uh, here's the English transa- uh, translation of the libretto. Uh, Grant love some relief to my sorrow to my sighing either give me back my beloved or just let me die which sounds intense and very dramatic and uh let's see Anne says and i can't recommend the opera itself enough uh, Le Nozze is a fast-paced, comedic, upstairs-downstairs drama full of cross-dressing, mistaken identities, practical jokes, love, understanding, and forgiveness. One of my top three Mozart operas and definitely accessible for beginners, whereas most operas are definitely not for newbies to the 420-plus-year-old art form." Unquote. Amazing email. Nice. Oh man, I like learned things from that email. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm is smarter awesome. now. <laughs> yes. So, um, I will say I appreciate the use of the music and how uh, Anne was able to uh, pull something from that and uh, tie it into the characters. So, I guess there were some things in the episode that were uh, actually well thought out, and I did think the music choices were a positive for the episode. Even the musical montage music was much better than some of
0: the previous musical montages of the show (laughs) yeah i liked i liked all the musical cues in this episode like there was the there was the opera cue and then there was also they uh called back to the my way thing with lex and i i liked um some of the the music choices that they used i thought they were pretty cool i I think they they did man who ruled the world too
1: uh the man who sold the world by david bowie yeah and uh there was nice yeah that's my thought yeah, he stopped loving her today by George Jones, and um, at the club, uh, it was a uh, hit. Hit you with my selfie, is what the song is called. Oh, uh, so uh, a classic, a classic <laughs> song, uh, but very fitting for uh, that scene. Uh, and the choices yeah. that were there. So, um, yeah, I thought that the music was a real standout for this episode.
0: Uh, so, Danvers Couch wrote in to say it looks like Lex thinks Leviathan can kill Supergirl, and then he will use Lena's mind control to control them. Yeah, I think if you might boil down Lex's uh,
1: plan, there that I think it, ultimately he just wants to kill Supergirl. So, uh, so that it just it seems like the the taking down Leviathan should be enough of a plane <laughs> i just want to give a shout out to uh danvers couch because danvers couch uh sent me a doomsday figure in the mail Ooh. and it's awesome it's got great packaging it's it's kind of uh reflecting back to the the death and return of superman comic book storyline which um which i appreciate because that's that's the the big comic story that really really made me fall in love with the, the comic book art form so thank you to Danvers Couch for that uh I really appreciate you sending that to me and um uh I will I will cherish it I will not be taking it out of the box because the box is too cool uh it actually <laughs> it actually looks like um there's cracked glass in the plastic uh that the, the doomsday is like Whoa. trying to break out of the thing so gotta keep it in the box normally I would take an action figure out and and display it but This one I'm keeping in the box, so I just want to say thank you, and uh, I will cherish it always. All right, well, Kenny sent us an email saying, quote, "Uh, This was a great episode of Supergirl directed by Melissa Benoist. It had a great post-crisis backstory for John Cryer's Lex Luthor, and I would rate it a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, So high marks from Kenny on that one. Uh,
0: So I'm glad you enjoyed it. So Chase wrote in to ask... Wouldn't Supergirl be a much better show if they just showed us what was actually happening the whole season instead of nothing making sense and retroactively filling in the plot holes in one episode a few episodes before the end? Uh, this whole season has been about how smart and clever Lex is and how stupid the Supergang and Lena especially are in comparison, and it's boring. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that was Rio de Janeiro and not San Paulo. Searching for a tourist spot on Google shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> that's something i wouldn't
1: have known so i appreciate uh chase pointing that out for us good good catch chase good catch uh well Kanisha wrote in to say uh quote i want to like this episode but i'm not sure what its purpose is i didn't need an episode dedicated to how smart lex is which is especially grating since we have brainy and lena who should be who should probably be smarter than him. I think I would have enjoyed it more if we got some explanation for what Leviathan wants. Even though Leviathan are ancient beings from another planet, it seems like they're only concerned about Earth's overpopulation, question mark, and want <laughs> to kill people in the VR. There has got to be a better reason to be scared of Pencil Skirt and company, unquote. Yeah, I guess it just, it seems like their big motivation is like uh,
0: Ra's al Ghul's from Batman Begins. It's also kind of... um. It's also kind of the uh, uh, Thanos from the Marvel movies, like, his his motivation where he, like, snaps his fingers and gets rid of half of, like, the world's population. Like, it seems, like, very similar. Because Leviathan, like, they're creating a situation where they are going to kill a lot of people, but not everybody. Like, not—there's— a bunch of old people who are not interested in those <laughs> v r lenses at all, like you're not killing everybody's nana. That's for <laughs> sure. She doesn't know how to work email. She doesn't have vr so
1: <laughs> the the uprising is going to be everybody's nana.
0: <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be an all next season is an all nana uprising <laughs> the, resist, the, the Nanas are the resistance now they they, they walk around in packs carrying knitting knitting needles and pelting you with hard candies. <laughs> i would watch that show me too actually it's like it's like a dark golden girls i'm so in
1: (laughs) all right uh we have uh developed season six uh so that's amazing all right well we have a voicemail from mauricio hey
2: supergirl radio it's me mauricio i haven't been calling for voice messages because i was taking a break and now i'm back in supergirl now so yes what is what is the best time to get back with the John Cryer Lex Luthor episode and boy oh boy I just love this show now, I'm not laughing because it's bad or anything I'm just laughing because this episode was just amazing I just love seeing all the characters and John Cryer and, and Lena and everything the only thing that made me laugh two things I want to know your opinion about is the beginning where you see Martian and Man and Supergo just go and see in the crime and no one looks at me like hey there's a person that just flew a super am like wait does the world know that John's an alien or something? I'm laughing because I'm like, this is so weird. And two, that profile picture that Lex shows Eva, I don't even think that's the actor. I just think they took a random picture and just say, this is Jeremiah. I'm like, I'm going to look at it and I'm possibly, that's not the actor. Who's Jeremiah? Who is that? So I'm laughing. So Is there any like questionable or stand-up moments to you production-wise or just choice-wise? that you liked in this episode for any good or bad reasons. But other than that, I like this episode. I can't wait to see it. Have a t- I mean, can't wait to see you next week. Take care. Have a nice day.
1: And Mauricio asked a few questions. Uh, he asked, uh, does the world know that Jean is an alien? Which is a good question because on Earth Prime, uh, we don't know. But we do know that back on Earth 38, pre-crisis, uh i believe it was the episode falling uh jean actually does reveal himself to be martian manhunter because he's trying to stop red cake Kara. so uh that that's been something that i think was known by uh, at least the national city population for seasons on seasons <laughs> um but now i'm not entirely sure uh so that's a good question um he also mentions um uh, production questions because he wasn't really sure if that picture of Jeremiah was actually Dean Kane uh because it looked a little funny um but it it what it is Dean Kane in that um the picture that Lex shows to Eve so uh if you did still have that question um it's it's definitely uh Jeremiah Danvers in that file. It was it
0: was our good friend Jerry. It was RIP.
1: Our, <laughs> RIP Jerry. Um uh but Mauricio says uh wants to know kind of on the the back of that comment do we have any questions about the production aspect of this episode?
0: I mean so many, I think. I think I think I I came in strong with all my questions <laughs> about the production. I don't I'm I'm interested in how much the uh how much corona impacted this episode in particular because this one was the one that felt to me like it had maybe had some substantial changes to uh to deal with the COVID and like the shorter episode order and all of that but I don't I mean I don't have any answers
1: yeah I think the format was probably intended the the jumping back and forth in the timeline Mm -hmm. because it seems like they think that that makes it clever even though I think all it does is really confuse people because it it's 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 too much it's one thing if you jump back and forth maybe two times two three times but when it's like constantly it's it's too much for people to keep up with um but i i think that 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 aspect of the episode i think that was intended but i think the question for me sort of piggybacking on your question is are are there things that they intended in the finale that they then had to remove out of this episode because they couldn't quite get that last part of the Mm. finale happening so it's almost it's almost to me like the uh the justice league uh disaster that happened where they took some stuff out of Zack snyder's version of the film and then they had to like reshoot some things because they couldn't exactly use what Zack Snyder so they took Zack Snyder's part out of it but then they had to reshoot it to try to make sense for their new version which uh as we all know was uh uh far uh far less superior than what it could have been uh and that's putting it uh, lightly and politely uh but I think maybe that could have happened too where like there were things in the finale that they couldn't quite finish and so for the new version of the finale to make sense, they might have had to take some things out of this week's episode in order to get everything to jive. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else. Um, but maybe that's why it feels a little bit disjointed, is that maybe there were some things that, that had to be cut and removed so that other parts of the, the ending of the season would make sense. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think we've, uh, we've tried to hit as many production um, questions
0: and uh, comments <laughs> that, that we could. Uh, Mauricio also emailed in this question. Now that you're, uh, now that you're given context that Lex orchestrated all the past episode villains motivations, how do you reflect on the past episodes now? And has anything changed now that, you know, it was Lex behind it? Um, for me, not a lot. Like, you know the the anti technology woman actually having been set up by Lex or like the guy who was mad at his wife for cheating and created the murder house on the hill <laughs> I, I i don't think it adds much knowing that Lex was pulling the strings behind those things to me anyway like i don't i don't know that it like pulls it all together like it kind of did last season with the agent Liberty stuff where we find out that like Lex was behind agent Liberty because at least last season when it turned out Lex was behind agent Liberty and he didn't realize it, it was kind of come up for that character uh, who thought that like he was in control of everything. And then turns out he was just a a puppet for like another crazy guy Uh, for this one. It was just like a bunch of random villains of the week actually, you know, impacted the main storyline like a little bit more than I thought that they did and like okay. Yeah I think that's a really good point and
1: uh, I would only add that now that I know this information I think it makes the season worse in my opinion (laughs) because, uh, because I think there's something interesting about individual choices in the VR because that's something they've sort of hit at a little bit like you have Bonnie who goes in there to sort of escape some Uh, some worries about i think her sister who was sick and so so those individual choices to me were interesting because they had their own stories and so for for us to now know that those people were were just being played by lex that makes it less interesting to me that these these people who got stuck in the vr who or who got mad like amy sapphire about what the vr did to her family that makes it less interesting because it's not their their choices. And so I think that there's a lot to be said about this season, um, even though they haven't really expanded on this a lot. But I think you could try to get out of this VR stuff that there's like the mind control aspect of the non-no cherry project and then free will about how to make your own choices and what you want to do. Like you have the ability to go on the VR and like live your dream and your fantasies. And so I think when you take away people's free will and how they choose to go about it, it sort of takes all of that, that layered storytelling away. So for me, that's, that's why it makes it worse. Yeah, no, I, I totally
0: get that. I mean, it's just, i don't know it's i i I hate i'm not hate is the strong word but i don't like the idea of like doing this whole storyline twice where like don't worry you'll find out what the whole season's about if you just hold on for 17 episodes (laughs) like what i don't want to do that i don't want to do that
1: (laughs) but that's that's what they've
0: done yeah twice in a row yeah yeah um Okay, so uh, before we wrap up our feedback, we're going to need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented
1: with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary.
0: From Miriam, what was more shocking, the reveal that Eve killed Jeremiah Danvers, that the show remembered the existence of Magon. And actually brought in Sharon Leal for a few scenes or Lex's bartending wig. <laughs> most shocking. Most shocking. Most shocking.
1: Um, I guess I was surprised more so that Eve killed Jeremiah Danvers. I did not see that coming. At least with the McGon thing, I'd seen the stills that had come out uh, before the episode aired. So I sort of knew that that was happening. So the... Uh... The Jeremiah Danvers twist, I, th- I thought was most shocking for me.
0: Uh, the Jeremiah Danvers twist was obviously my favorite of the episode. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that McGon was going to be coming back at all. So when she showed up, I just like screamed, what? <laughs> uh, so, t- so I got to give it to Magon. As I said before, that whole sequence was like a fever dream I was having. So <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Uh, okay, so we have some snap judgments from Danae. The first one was, which was the best Lena outfit, the purple dress or the lace suit?
1: Uh, what did you call her? Victorian ghost? I'm going to go <laughs> with the Victorian ghost suit.
0: I'm going to go with uh, with business ghost, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that one was amazing. Um, okay. Who was the best return, Lillian or McGon? Uh, I enjoyed Lillian so much. Oh, Lillian. I mean, the, the soft pastels <laughs> with the hard heart underneath. I love it. <laughs> Um okay if Lena put a secret message for Kara in the book she gave her did she circle letters throughout the book to spell out a message or did she write an incredibly small message that only Kara can read <laughs> with her super sight I really want it to be the incredibly
1: small message that only Kara can read
0: That's really really good um <laughs> Yeah, and what 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 would the message say? It it would just be, is she like, oh my god, I think I think she wrote something. I I have to see. Like, hold on, I have to use my supervision to see this. She squints at it. She goes, it says, "I'm still mad." (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it would have to be something really petty. Like she just like (laughs) puts it in there. Like, my dearest Kara, we've been through so much together. You should know. Those bangs don't work for your face shape. <laughs> Love Lena. <laughs> See, there was so much about that feud that could have been so much fun. Oh, I know. I know. We were really denied. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, last one from Danae. Oh, uh, if Lena put a secret message for Car <laughs> in the book she gave her, did it say, We can be friends again? We can be friends again as long as you promise to never, ever use a myriad. <laughs> Or did it say, next time we meet, we should probably pretend to fight so that Lex doesn't get suspicious? I guess I would go uh, pretend to fight. I would go pretend to fight, too. Because I have to say, at one point during this episode, I did wonder if they were pretending to... If they had, like, patched things up and they were then, like, both going to play Lex. If that was going to be end up being, like, a, a twist. I don't think so, but would be it would be something <laughs> it
1: would be good but it also i think it just goes back to it, it wouldn't feel earned but it could be interesting
0: <laughs> it would be interesting but unearned i would agree with that okay so our last snap set of snap judgments are from anna and i must say i'm i am concerned and i'm scared um, so let's just do this anna we're all on this ride together let's do it all right <laughs> what's more likely? Lena has been carrying around a bag this whole time full of comfort items and books for Kara, waiting to give one uh, to her until she was strong enough not to break down in tears or... Lena found out Lex's plan and wrote a secret coded message in the book for Kara detailing the way they could take down all the bad guys together. I mean, great minds, Anna, great minds. So we've had two listeners who have both written
1: in about the secret message in the book. Uh, let's hope that that ha- like that would actually be really interesting because it, it was, um it was noticeable to me that, that Lena brought a humongous book that she just happened to have with her i just happened to be carrying this book about grief <laughs> it was a, a pretty thick book too like it looked yeah. really heavy uh so to me i think it would be a really cool twist if she did put some sort of secret coded message in there um okay so we do have to make a choice on this uh I think I'm going to go secret coded message. I like that idea.
0: Yeah, I like the secret coded message so much now that I know it's not going to happen on the show. Uh, but yeah, the, I'm going to go secret coded message too. Okay, last snap judgment. What will happen when Lex and Leviathan try to kill Supergirl? Uh, Lena will attempt to save Kara and end up getting mortally wounded and will slowly die in Kara's arms. <laughs> or, I, again, Anna, Anna girl. <laughs> it doesn't always have to be do, go, doom and gloom. I challenge you, Anna. Next week, send us in. You can send us in our, our normal snap judgments that make me upset and make me cry. And then just send in one that is about something happy. I don't care what it is. <laughs> don't care what it is. Could be about kittens. I, that's all you. That's all on you. Okay. So is uh, Lena dying in Cara's arms uh, after trying to save her or... Will Kara become mortally wounded as Lena, who arrived too late, will try to drag Kara to safety and shield her with her own body as they both cry out in pain? Anna! Girl! Why? Okay, so is Lena is Lena dying or is Kara
1: dying in this scenario? They talked a lot about killing Supergirl, and if you're gonna use the words kill Supergirl, I feel like you need to commit to something. So I'm gonna go, uh cara uh uh dying here in this scenario
0: yeah i think i'm gonna take the car dying scenario too like can lena like pick her up like in the (laughs) like in the comic book cover just like have her in her arms or (laughs) i i I don't know if lena's been lifting a lot lately she could be well i think she could do
1: it in the lexo suit so that that's true that that could work no judgments on your snap judgments all right, well, thank you to everybody who wrote in with your thoughts and feedback on Deus Alex Machina. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678 And make sure to write and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. We are also on Radio Public and Podchaser. And thanks to everybody who uh, wrote us reviews on Podchaser to help raise some money for Meals on Wheels. Uh, I think that was pretty successful, so thank you all for doing that. Uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com dc-fans. We are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on SupergirlRadio.com uh, on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Mark for the DC TV plugs. Supergirl
2: Radio is part of the DCTV Podcast Network, so if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, or just podcasts about it, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows... Or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Star shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DC Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook.
1: And you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And if you want to see any of the content that I've—I've I've been shooting a little bit, uh, but I've been mostly editing and hosting live streams for the University of Alabama Museum. So if you want to see any of that content, you can go to YouTube.com/slash UA Museums. And subscribe to the channel, which you totally
0: should, because it's some good stuff. Yeah, it's very I, educational. I watched, I watched the one the other day of the little snail that was in your K cup, <sighs> like slowly going down the K. Ca- it was wild, man! Like when the when his like shell started spinning, I, I knew how they they worked. <laughs> I was so upset, Morgan, because I was like,
1: <laughs> I was inspired to like maybe try to grow something and like start a garden, and like the very first try out that I'd go out there to water the little plant. I was trying to like grow some berries and there's this big old snail in there like trying to get in there to get the seeds. And I was like, "Come on, man. Get out of my garden." But <laughs> but it was pretty cool to see it move. That I've never been up that uh up that close to one of those before. I see them all the time in my neighborhood, but they're usually dead. It, it's kind of gruesome like they're usually not moving, but but that thing, like, to see the way that the shell sort of moves with the little slug part of it, I know that sounds gross, but it is actually really kind of neat.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind of cute. I was like, oh, look at that wall. Look <laughs> at that nail. Uh, uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MojoTastic. I'm also a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which you should listen to, even if you don't watch the show, because it's some good stuff. Last week, we had to do uh, a bunch of uh, different history, uh, historical figures. Uh, They just packed them all into the episode. So we did uh, 60 seconds of historical facts (laughs) that were... uh, (laughs) probably of dubious quality uh, so if you, if you want to learn like maybe a quick thing like a quick sound bite for your next uh your next party that you have no information uh for a follow-up that ours is maybe the podcast for you also uh cat has been dropping a lot of sabrina the teenage witch knowledge on us <laughs> recently uh so if you know if that's your thing too that that's awesome as well.
1: Who was the um, historical figure that you talked about with the pirates?
0: Oh, it was uh, he was called Black Caesar, and I had never heard of him before in my entire life. So I had to like look him up really quickly before we record it, and it was actually really really fascinating stuff. Yeah, I thought that was a,
1: a really interesting bit of of the episode that y'all recorded. I was like, huh, I never heard that before. So very very cool. So. Even, even if I don't watch the show, I'm learning things from
0: you all. Yeah, definitely. And then um, my last plug is that uh, last week I adopted two kittens um, because quarantine is hard and I need kittens. <laughs> so so um, our, our, our kittens are now um, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his lab assistant Beaker, <laughs> uh, named after the Muppets and also after science. Uh, <laughs> they, they are very cute kittens. They are medium boys they they haven't quite made it to good they're getting into all kinds of experiments around uh, around <laughs> the condo including apparently having just scratched my fiance Oh no. By running over top of him. Oh, uh no. they don't they don't respect human beings as not furniture yet. So that's <laughs> that's a work in progress. Um but as any millennial would and should do, I've created an Instagram <gasps> account for that. You them. finally did it? I did it. I did it yesterday. Uh you can find Beaker and Bunsen at at The Lab Cats on Instagram. <laughs> They're trying to become cat fluencers. <laughs> <laughs> the Lab Cats. Oh, I see. I love it.
1: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode on Deus Lex Machina. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we look forward to the penultimate episode next week (laughs) to see more of the beginning of the end of Leviathan.
0: Goodbye. (laughs)